This is your daily real estate syndication show, and I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today is a highlight show that's packed with value from different guests around a specific topic. Don't forget to like and subscribe, but also go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up to start investing in real estate today. I hope you enjoy the show. Our guest is Josh Sterling. Thanks for being on the show again, Josh. Hey, thanks for having me, Whitney. Let's back up a little bit a year ago and what happened? You know, what happened then to transition from where you were at to start building this larger portfolio? We got started really good time back in September of 09 and started with single family. And, and you can probably hear that, that background on the old podcast, but it was very organic growth. It was mostly a lot of my own capital, occasionally private money, mostly on the debt side, not usually on the equity side or very, very few of those deals. So it made for a little bit slower, again, more organic growth. And you know, a year ago, I think the our unit count was around 350 or so. Right about the time of that podcast, maybe just before we made the decision, I wanted to shift into uh, a little bit larger projects and, and start raising more capital for that. You know, obviously that it's a capital intensive business, and so you're going to need some money to close these deals. So I sat down and and I realized my struggle to bigger and bigger growth was going to be the capital to close those deals. I knew my network was probably going to be a challenge for that. I always believe you need three things to close the deal. You need the deal itself, you need the capital to close the deal, and then you need the management of the deal. You know, we had the management kind of on lockdown. That that's what we do. We had some deal flow from some broker relationships, but I didn't think I had that network necessarily to raise that capital. So, got to talking with a buddy and an ex colleague of mine uh, that had a good, strong network and was comfortable out raising capital. And we we teamed up and decided a, a way to divide up the GP, the equity split, and, and start growing that way. So that led to something just under 450 units we've added here in, in the last year, mostly through the syndication model, raising capital. We raised about $10 million here in the last year and, and added you know, quite a few units. Okay. Well, there's so much there we got to talk about. But I go back though to, you know, you realize the pain point of, okay, if you're going to grow and grow faster or do bigger deals, you got to have more capital, right? Absolutely. And so you increased your team. Right. So you, you added somebody that could specialize just on that. And now that it probably even lessened the burden, I mean, on your plate, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. You know, to be honest, one of the things that I didn't like was out going out raising capital. I, I'd done it a little bit and, and I knew enough to know that I wasn't all that good at it. And I really didn't like doing it. I'm much more of an operational guy. I'm happy to to talk about and share what we're doing, but the act of, you know, going out and not everyone's gonna say yes. And I don't I didn't really like that part of it. So I found somebody that had the connection and, and had the network that I think we needed to to be able to present. Really, th- these are great opportunities, as you know, anyone who's passively invested in one of these deals knows. But I had found somebody who was comfortable presenting that to a network of people and then handling that investor relations side, which was just, you know, it was something I, I wasn't necessarily great at and something I didn't really enjoy doing. So it's a really great fit. Nice. So yeah, growing your team, I would agree completely. You got to find people and you got to be able to bring them on board. So otherwise, you can't do everything, can you? No, absolutely not. And, and you know, I'm sure you've heard it a thousand times, but two minds are, are much greater than one or, or than the sum of one and one, right? Mm. Yes. I've seen that personally as well. That's awesome. So, you know, I'd like for you to elaborate though, like on maybe a little more of the transition and any pain points or growing pains that you can elaborate on, you know, because you've scaled fast. Sure. So, you know, our traditional model was built uh, on 
mostly small to mid-sized properties and some it started with single family so we developed an operation that was basically a mobile management operation we we could you know within a 45 minute radius of one of our what's now three offices we felt that we could service really any size property so actually the management side wasn't so bad because as as you know once you're adding properties that are over 100 units they'll support on-site leasing on-site maintenance and whatnot so we actually found that to be a fairly easy transition I think the bigger transition was behind the scenes now overseeing you know those on-site offices and overseeing that team there and deciding how we're going to run operations that didn't fit into our, our normal systems such as, you know, weekend leasing or such as, you know, maintenance emergencies or things like that. What ended up happening is we had to scale the team quite a bit in the back office, quite a bit more than I had expected originally. So that came at a cost and at, you know, definitely a little bit of strain on the overall operations in the the initial months of getting that rolling. Okay. So overseeing the management was a pain point. And so, yeah, so elaborate, can you elaborate a little more on like, how did you fix that problem? Right. So, you know, initially, as you might picture, you have a let's say 150 unit apartment building. So you're going to have someone in there every day, you know, leasing units, collecting rent, the office type admin and stuff. Then you're going to have a maintenance person there. What we had taken for granted up to that point is our, our management operation is really a 24-7 operation. So out of our smaller properties, at our single family stuff that we oversee, if a call comes in on Saturday at 5 p.m., we still have someone there to open to answer the phone. Uh, we still have someone there, one there to uh, receive rent payments, to dispatch maintenance, whatever they might do. But at those you know 150 unit properties, you can't staff them 24-7. So you need to have a backup to that. You need to have um, somebody who can be there to respond, but also is not going to be on the payroll burdening that property the whole time. And so to come up with a way to um, provide those services and provide that level of service that we had uh, become used to across the board, but not burden the property with that amount of payroll and that amount of overhead was, was really the challenge. That's really where we had to work through and come up with new and updated systems to share resources. Okay. So so even sharing resources, was that a way that you all, it's helped you to grow because now you can share resources. You're, you already have, and like you said, you already have the management model in place. And sometimes that's a, that's a burden. Like if you're not used to, if you don't understand how to manage and you grow too fast, right? I mean, you, you're all of a sudden, there's all kinds of things happening and it's way out of control. And yeah. so, but you all already had the management piece down. You already had a property management company, right? Right. Uh, right. And so, you know, at this point, you know, you're, you're growing and, and experiencing that growth, but now you, I guess you're having to hire more employees and now you're, the overseeing is, is becoming more difficult. So, yeah, and, and, you know, from the management operation, it went from, you know, really entry level type and then a manager type uh, role to, to really adding a whole nother depth, a whole nother layer of management so we could oversee those other office managers all about. So it just added a lot of depth to the org chart and that just naturally is going to come with growing pains. Yeah. So other than management, any, any other growing pains you can elaborate on? You know, the, the management and really getting the properties on board was really the, I think, the most challenging part. You know, and I, I said earlier, there's, there's, I think there's three pillars in any deal. There's the management and the operations of it, which we just discussed. There's the deal itself. And that's naturally a little bit of a challenge in this market. You know, in the last 10 years, real estate's gotten a lot sexier, right? So there's a lot more competition for the same deal. But, you know, I felt that we were able to find a sufficient amount of deal flow through either the connections we had or through the reputation we had from closing deals. Um, I don't think that was so much of a struggle. And then, you know, the, again, the capital to close the deal, that was a, a key piece that we really just put in place in the last year. You know, I don't, I, I don't think we would have had the ability to raise the amount of capital we did had I not gone to that teamwork model where I, you know, I divided up the GP split a little bit and brought somebody else in. 
Are you about to start a podcast or producing a podcast and tired of doing the editing yourself? We have produced over 1,000 daily shows and the production team that I've created, they're now available to produce shows for you as well. We can do as little or as much as you need from finding and communicating with guests, preparing introductions, to editing the audio and video. You will sound better, have a more professional presence, and be able to spend your time doing other valuable tasks on your business. Let me know you're interested by emailing me directly at Whitney at LifeBridgeCapital.com. Our guest is Vince Gethings. Thanks for being on the show, Vince. Hey, Winnie. Thanks for having me. I want to say, too, thank you for your service. Vince is active duty military, started investing with a zero, no money, VA loan in 2013, have since scaled to 120 units. Man, congratulations. That's awesome. I look forward to hearing more about that. He successfully invests in markets 4,000 miles away by building efficient teams and systems. Closed his first syndication in April during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. Vince, thank you again for your time. It was a pleasure to to meet you. I know we met in, in Orlando. It's probably been, what, six months? It's been longer than that, I guess now, eight or 10 months ago at a conference. And I knew you'd be a great guest then. So I'm grateful to have you on. Give the listeners a little more about your background. I'd love to hear a little about the, the VA, how you got in using the VA line. I think it's a very important piece to draw listeners' ears to and how you got started that way. But then I, I want to jump into that first syndication as well. Absolutely. Okay. So taken back to 2013, I was stationed at Travis Air Force Base, California. So Bay Area, California. At that time, we were coming right out of the Great Recession or the housing bust thing. And I was like, probably now is a good time to buy. It was our first home, me and my wife. We just had our first child. And I was pretty financially savvy at that time, but I was really big into stock. So I knew that I want whatever this vehicle was, it was going to be an investment. And I was starting to do some research on how the VA home loan works and everything like that. And I found uh, some content. I, I cited right now. I can't remember what, where it was, but it was pretty much you want to find the house that like just is over the line of VA thresholds for acceptable that they're going to sign off on. Because there's a you know line where they're like, oh, this property is not up to our standards. We're not going to approve it. So you want to find a property that is just above that line. So it needs a lot of work, but it's still habitable in the VA inspector's eyes. So we, we found that property, we moved in and we did a live-in flip. That's the house hack is you get the zero down with the VA home loan and you live there and you fix it up while you live there. You know, do the floors. We did the some bathrooms, some kitchen stuff as the market appreciates. So a little bit of forced appreciation with the Bay Area market appreciating as well. And then uh, around 2016, my orders were coming due. So we ended up selling that place and we made 130,000 net after everything. And this was a two bedroom, two bath, 1100 square foot house in in the Bay Area, California. So this was not a big house at all. It was just a very well executed plan. A lot of it was just the rising tide from just being at the right place at the right time. And we took that as the seed money to start building our portfolio 100% out of state in Michigan. How long had you all been married when you all bought that that live-in flip? Oh, man. Maybe a year at that time. Okay. Well, congratulations on making it through that. (laughs) 
<laughs> I just say that my wife and I also purchased a house and pretty much did a live in remodel or almost flip, but we did not have that kind of plan. And, and uh, I'm just thankful now that we're still married after that. <laughs> you know, it's been a long time ago, but no, that's awesome. And, you know, it's awesome that you were able to use that VA loan, get in and, and then make that kind of capital on that deal too, to just launch you all forward. Just congratulations on that. So, you know, what kind of deals were you focused on then? And then let's get into the, you know, moving into syndication as well. Got it. So 2016 happened. We took that seed money. I was like, okay, I'm going to do real estate. This was, that was a good play. Let's keep it going. Uh, so I started doing some more educating. I found bigger pockets and, and they, at the time, they were really focused on doing the small multifamilies, the duplexes, the triplexes and, and quads. Read all Brandon Turner's books are great for, for starting out and went and bought, it was like 20 units in 18 months, but it was, they were all small multifamily. So some duplexes, fourplexes, random single family in there. And it was, it was great. And that was all in Michigan. So we built the team. I, at the time I was still in California and I built that portfolio in Michigan. That's where my wife is from. So around 20 units in 18 months is where we started. And then started hitting some, some roadblocks in my processes and my systems and realized I needed to scale again and move up to commercial property. Okay. So, you know, going down that path, I mean, why syndication though? Why, why not, you know, continue to do smaller deals? So at the time I knew that with the, the 20 units I had that I was running into issues with my, my process, like I said, my systems and process that I couldn't, I was reaching kind of a critical mass with my time. I was managing more than I thought I should. And at the time, my property managers, they needed more time for me. So it wasn't really scaling for me time-wise as a, as a business. I was, I was, building myself another job, so to speak. And then on the other side of it was the conventional loans. I was kind of running out of those, you know, the 20% down, get a, get a property, 20% down and get a property. I was running out of those. And then also the, the forced appreciation of it. I wasn't growing very fast. The cash flow was great, but the appreciation on the, the residential property wasn't there because they're residential. They go off comp value instead of, instead of income value approach. So I wasn't really scaling my my net worth as fast as I would like. So then all of that kind of culminated. And then there was one event that kind of broke the camel's back. And then I, I was like, I'm never going to do residential again. I'm going to scale up to commercial. Okay. You know, even in your bio, you talk about successfully investing in markets 4,000 miles away and efficiently building those teams and systems. And that's one thing you just mentioned as well. You know, let's, let's talk about that a little bit and how you've, you've done that. I mean, being that far away, how you've been successful at, at building those teams. So, you know, if you could elaborate and let's, let's jump in, jump into that. Absolutely. So the first teams I, I built with the smaller properties. And again, that was the, an issue with the smaller properties. You can't really afford the cash flow is so tight that you can't really afford the high power people or the high speed people that are in this game because they, they demand a higher salary and rightly so. So you need the higher revenue to afford, you know, better teammates when it comes to the out of state teams. So that was another limitation. And then what I did was I had to sit down and kind of do some self-reflection, do a uh, strengths and weaknesses analysis of, okay, here's where I'm good at. Here's where I'm weak at. And then focus on the the weak part and, I was like, I need to find team members, not really to to build up my weaknesses, but find team members that will will fill in on those on those weaknesses so I can build those effective teams. So we got some mentorship. They helped me identify a lot of those weaknesses. And I went out, did a lot of networking 
And we found some three awesome guys that really had the same morals, values, and, you know, ethics as me, same timeline as me. And we, we put together this team, went into Michigan and found brokers that aligned with us as well. And that was really a big part of it is just making sure everybody understood what we were going for and what our investing was. You had mentioned that you were looking for team members that had uh, strengths where you had weaknesses, but you also mentioned that, uh, some type of mentorship there. Can you elaborate on that and maybe how that helped you know, navigate this, this part of your path to syndication? Absolutely. So when I had the, the 20 units, as I mentioned, I was reaching the, the end of my rope there. I was building a, another job. My systems and processes at the time were, were started to crack. So I need to take a step back, do some self-reflections, kind of see where my strengths and weaknesses were find mentorship on the the weaknesses so I can understand, okay, where, where was I weak at? And then instead of working on building them up, I found team members that were strong where I was weak and we got together, took a, this is where networking comes into place. We started networking, found three guys that had excellent skills and, and their areas of expertise. We had similar timelines, similar goals, similar values and ethics we got together a business plan, started going out, reaching out to brokers in Michigan, and we ended up landing a 52 unit as our very next property. So we ended up going from, for me anyway, I ended up going from uh, duplexes and fourplexes. And my very next deal after doing this self-reflection took about three or four months was a 52 unit that we scaled up to. And that was actually a JV. We hadn't gone up to syndication yet. So we JV'd a 52 unit. Nice. 52 units. Now that's awesome. That's awesome. So building this team, I mean, it was crucial. Sounds like to your all success and doing larger deals. Is that right? Absolutely. So once we scale up to the 52 unit and we build those, we had that business plan, we started executing it and really started refining our processes and systems, our new ones, because we completely rebuilt a new company and started building that proof of concept or getting that proof of concept from results. We were able to firm up some areas, uh, improve some areas, drop some other areas uh, of the business plan that wasn't working and redefining. And then now going forward into the next year, which was a syndication, we already had a lot of the kinks worked out. A lot of the, the systems worked out. We, we moved on to better processes, better software platforms and going into that 48 unit, even though it was during the middle of coronavirus, April 15th is when we closed, we had already proved a lot of our systems and processes up to that point where we didn't have that much of an issue closing that deal or convincing our investors that we had what it took to close the deal. So we already had the track record and we were, we had the confidence of the other 52 unit that we were executing already in our portfolio that we could move forward on this deal. Nice. Could you elaborate on like the better software systems even that you all have in place now that you didn't before? Exactly. So some of it was, it wasn't just like property management, like Yardi or, or at Folio. A lot of it was the internal software systems of how we manage. So before we were going off like Excel sheets, as far as trackers of tasks, then moving up to something like Asana. So using Asana and integrating that with our calendars has been huge because now we have task lists. We can create task groupings create task lists, create task flows to where we set up recurring tasks. And all this sounds really easy, uh, like admin type things, but there's so many moving parts in real estate and running teams that so many things can get through the cracks, fall through the cracks. So having these, these flows, these workflows with these recurring tasks and on a platform that 
what works just as well on a computer as it does on your phone. And you can add collaborators outside third parties and then integrate it with multiple other platforms has been a real boost. And we've, we've only started using this program Asana in the last probably four or five months, but it has really cut down on our wasted time and our repeat recur, like having to go, go back and fix stuff that was messed up the first time or stuff that was fell through the cracks. So that's just one example of using software to firm up your systems and processes. Other ones we use is like Loom. Loom videos is awesome as well. Whenever we're hiring out a tasking, anybody who's ever hired a VA knows I'm talking about the, the communication breakdown of you have a process in your head, you type it out, you give it to a VA and you get something that's completely different. So using a Loom video, we can write out the process, show it on our screen, create a video with us narrating it, actually going through the task the one or two times, and then giving that to the Loom video with all the resources to the VA. And now they they don't have as many questions and the product that we have, there's not as much back and forth. So no more time wasted. It's a very efficient process. So that's just another small example of using uh, software to firm up your your business and your processes. Thank you for being a loyal listener of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Please subscribe and like the show. Share it with your friends so we can help them as well. Don't forget, go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up and start investing in real estate today. Have a blessed day. 